A very good Wednesday. Welcome to this Walnut Wednesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In a report today, Taylor Chalstrom will be talking about new breast-breaking treatments for walnuts. And I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news, beginning with regional ag news right after this. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. The California Healthy Soils Week is this week with the United Nations' World Soil Day. The California Department of Food and Agriculture and agriculture and partner organizations from across the state are hosting a series of events highlighting soil health and biodiversity. This year's theme is Stronger Soils, Biodiversity Below the Surface Builds Soil Resilience, which highlights the importance of soil health across farms, ranches, urban landscaping, and home and community gardens. A number of agencies and organizations are joining CDFA for the week-long event. There will be webinars, live streams, panel discussions, and at-home how-to-do activities. Healthy Soils Week partners with posting, tweeting, and sharing on social media throughout the week to reach as many people as possible with information about the building of soil health and fostering climate resilience. Among the many benefits of soil health practices are improved plant health and yields, increased water infiltration and retention, sequester carbon and reduce greenhouse gases, reduce sediment erosion and dust, improved water and air quality, and improved biological diversity and wildlife habitat. For information, visit the Healthy Soils Week website to see the full lineup of events and partners. You can also follow along on social media. Watch for the use of the hashtags Pound Soil Health and Pound HSW 2022. Foothills Fresh, a collaboration to bring farm fresh scratch cooked meals to all students in western Nevada County, just received a $488,000 California Farm to School Incubator Grant Award. The Nevada County School Food Services Agency, a partnership between eight school districts and the Nevada County Superintendent of Schools, was formed July 1st of 2022 to support all students in getting access to scratch cooked meals using fresh regional foods. The funding from the California Department of Food and Agriculture was a competitive grant with only 37% of applicants receiving funding and was designed to facilitate innovative farm-to-school partnerships that benefit multiple school districts, a county office of education, and nonprofits in their mission to provide nutrition education, fresh California-grown food in school meals, and capacity building for scratch-cook culinary programs through long-term partnerships. The collaboration between Nevada County School Food Services Agency, Sierra Harvest, the Chef and Foundation, and Kitchen and table advisors can now move forward with this funding to improve not only the quality of food on the plate, but implement more sustainable and environmental systems, reducing food waste and the use of plastic packaging. Farmers and growers may not be pleased with the recent announcement of the water allocation of 2023 by the State Water Resources Board. The California Department of Water Resources announced recently an initial state water project allocation of 5% of requested supplies for 2023. Around 29 public water agencies are provided water from the SWP, serving 27 million Californians. DWR said they are conserving existing water storage in Lake Oroville after the release data of the reservoir water year 2022 being around 400 thousand acre feet higher than last year in 2021. However, Oroville remains at 55% of average for this time of the year. Here we go again, according to California Farm Bureau President Jamie Johansson. 
He says this means that 23 million people and 750,000 acres of farmland are facing another year of uncertainty and economic hardships. California has failed to act on critical projects to provide additional water storage, stormwater capture, and groundwater recharge that are needed to protect farms and cities from water shortages in dry years. He says that California's dismal leadership in safeguarding water resources harms food production as consumers face rising prices at the grocery store. It also undercuts healthy crop production, which helps reduce carbon emissions that contribute to climate change. California must have a more coherent water plan. The drought strategy cannot solely be a policy on managing scarcity, he said. As local farmers and agricultural scientists gathered to discuss issues relating to agriculture during a 33rd annual Fall Desert Crops Workshop, one subject came up over and over, and that is pest control management. Imperial County Agricultural Commissioner Carlos Ortiz kicked off the discussion on November 30th by doing an overview of pest control issues in Imperial County. Ortiz specifically shared stories with farmers about how to handle situations with residents who are concerned about crop dusting and the use of insecticides. One of the biggest suggestions Ortiz had for farmers was to notify individuals who live in neighboring residences when crop dusting is going to occur so those individuals have the option to leave. Supplies of pomegranates are up this year from California. There's a good supply of smaller sizes of pomegranates, and that seems to be the trend this year, according to Ray England of DJ Forey. The larger sizes, the 22s and up, were well off the last year five-year average, so they are peaking on 26s and 30s. This is a marked difference from the 2021 short crop of pomegranates. In 2021, the first day of harvest for many growers saw a sizable windstorm usher in, which took a toll on the fruit from the condition standpoint. Then towards the latter part of October, there was a lot of rain, and it made it almost impossible for some growers to get into the fields, according to England. Between those two events, volume was down in 2021, and while it has rebounded this year, it's been more so on the small size fruit. Growers this year also started approximately a week later than last year. England notes that harvest typically starts October 11th through the 14th. This year started with one grower on October 17th, while the rest began a week later. Shipments will continue through the middle to the latter part of December. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. Certain crops require more chill hours during their dormant stages of the year in order to come fully into production the following season. As climate change has made its presence in the state, more and more growers are finding their trees are not getting sufficient chill as winters get warmer. This can result in a myriad of issues and money lost off the table. Kat Jarvisheen, a farm advisor in the Sacramento Valley, has studied the effects of low chill on walnuts in recent years. She told growers and consultants at the recent California Tree Nut Conference what we know so far and what can be done to prevent a reduction to the bottom line. When walnut trees don't get enough winter chill, so I'm talking about walnuts and chill in particular today, uh, we see a number of symptoms. So we see that, as you can see, just with the dates here, these are um, Howard walnuts following a low chill winter, that late April, things should be leafed out by then. But it wasn't until the beginning of May that we really started to see full leaf out in these, in these Howards. 
so delayed leaf out from low chill. We also see a lot of blind wood, or this what's often called a poodle tail look. So you see that the terminal buds break, but the lateral buds along the branch do not. And so if you have buds that don't break, that's also buds that are just sitting there not actually showing their flowers, not making nuts. And in smaller trees is also a problem as you're trying to shape these trees. So we don't just see this in young trees, we also see this in more mature bearing trees, um, though it's easier to spot the smaller they are to get a picture of the whole canopy. Um, so this is fifth leaf chandlers following that same warm winter, and we see that same poodle tail look, that same um, bare wood, blind wood buds that don't open. Um, another problem we have with this is not just delayed bud break um, or lack of bud break, but also uh, wider spread in the bud break window. So we have some buds that open earlier and some later than usual, which then ends up meaning some finish the race sooner, right? They're ready to harvest sooner, and some that are real laggards and don't, aren't ready to harvest until much later. So we have a wider uh, maturity window, essentially. So then you have to lean on ethophon, or maybe ethophon doesn't even cover it, you have multiple shakes, or you have to leave some in the field um, because it's just not worth going back for that last 10%. Um, additionally, you know, we have, if you've ever heard Ted DeYoung talk about uh, carbohydrate sinks and sources, the sooner that flower bud opens, the sooner that nut starts growing, the sooner it becomes a sink for the energy, all the goodies that the tree is, is producing. So essentially, like the sooner a piggy gets to the trough and starts feeding, the more it can elbow out the other piggies as they come along. And in a production standpoint, what that means then is you end up having larger nuts and a lot of peewee nuts from those, those little piggies that got to the trough last. You might not even see those in your grades, they might just get left in the field, but that's money that gets left on the table because of these uh, delayed bud breaks. One metric that many growers are familiar with when it comes to chill, Jarvisheen said, are chill hours. However, research is showing that this isn't a good way of assessing more specific needs and doesn't account for temperature swings. Rather, researchers are starting to talk in terms of chill portions. Historically, we've gotten about 70 chill portions in most of the valley and something more like 64, 65 down here in the southern San Joaquin. We expect that to decrease by 15 to 20 percent by the middle of the century um, and, and by more like 30 percent by the end of the century. Now, I'm seeing a lot of faces in this audience that might be like, who cares about the end of the century? That's my grandkids' problem, right? But um, no insults. You all look great, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, uh, but middle of the century, like, that's the orchard that you're planting now, the orchard that you planted a few years ago, is going to be experiencing mid-century conditions, right? Um, that's like 2040, 2050. Um, so the breeders are going to have to come up with a solution for what's going to be much, much warmer at the end of the century. But what do we do for these middle century conditions that the trees in the ground now are going to have to deal with? Because we know that Chandler needs about 55 to 60 chill portions. And we know from these projections that it's one out of 10 years at least, we're going to be on the margin of maybe not getting that in most of the valley. But in the southern San Joaquin, more often than that, at least two out of 10 years, you're not gonna get enough chill for Chandler if you just let it do its own thing. 
Jarvashin highlighted ongoing Walnut Board-funded research looking at ways to essentially quote-unquote trick the tree into thinking it is receiving adequate chill through the use of certain chemical mixes. We didn't see an effect of any of the treatments to catkins uh, when the trees had gotten enough chill. But we did see that Dormex and Erger, so hydrogen cyanamide and a nitrogen cocktail, um, both moved bud-breaking catkins earlier. But the big money makers are our vegetative buds, right? Because that's also where the flower is. Or I should say the, the pistillate flower that makes the nuts. So let's look at the two rightmost graphs then. We see terminal vegetative bud break in, um, in the control, with Dormex moved earlier, even when the trees had gotten enough chill. Um, moved, in fact, seven days earlier, even when they had enough chill. Um, when the trees were heated up, both Dormex and Erger moved bud break earlier than just water, which is doing nothing. Dormex, much more potent tool, moved bud break 16 days earlier than the water doing nothing control. Um, whereas Erger, a less potent tool, moved bud break five days earlier. Similarly, with the lateral vegetative bud break, we saw that Dormex moved things in the unheated control, the adequate uh, chill section. Dormex moved things not eight to nine days earlier. Erger didn't make a difference if you got enough chill, but if you didn't get enough chill, both Dormex and Erger had some influence. Again, Dormex much more potent, moved bud break 13 days earlier. Dormex, excuse me, Erger less potent, um, moved the needle about six days. So that's bud break timing. So that keeps you out of, you know, just having a much later bud break alone can get you into hotter conditions that can desiccate flowers. So just having a normal bud break timing is important. Um, but also the numbers of bud that break, also important, right? So you remember those, those blind branches with just the poodle tail and no, no buds breaking along the branch. That's another thing we're trying to avoid with these treatments. Um, so what we found was um, that Dormex was really the only treatment that when we looked at um, terminal female flowers coming out and lateral female flowers coming out, that we got more, um, more of those flowers using Dormex than Erger or Moxie or water. Researchers are currently looking into the use of Can17, a familiar product for grape, cherry, and peach growers, for use in creating adequate chill. While numbers are still being quantified, early findings show Can17 as equivalent to a 2% Dormex application. The more options growers have in the toolbox, the better. For My Ag Life, I'm Taylor Charlstrom. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. The Senate passed a bill to avoid a potentially catastrophic U.S. railroad strike and sent the bill to President Joe Biden's desk for a signature. Crossroads Today says the vote came after mounting pressure on lawmakers to move swiftly. Without action, a strike could have taken place on December 9th, which the president said would be very catastrophic to the nation's economy. Railroads transport 6,300 carloads of food and farm products every day. The bill passed the Senate by a vote of 80 to 15. A separate vote on adding seven days of paid sick leave to the agreement did not pass. By 
Biden was reluctant to override the vote against the contract by four unions, but stressed the rail shutdown would devastate the economy. He says he knows that many in Congress were reluctant to bypass union ratification procedures, but the consequences would have been too great for working families across the country. Once again, that's according to President Joe Biden. USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack says he's grateful for Congress for taking swift action to prevent a crippling national rail shutdown. He said a strike would have had significant and long-lasting effects on the American economy. He says U.S. farmers and ranchers can breathe a sigh of relief that the trains will stay on track to deliver food, inputs, raw materials, and other essential items. The Fertilizer Institute also applauded Congress for taking action to prevent a stoppage. Net farm income for U.S. farmers is forecast at $160.5 billion in 2022, a $19.5 billion increase over 2021. The December Farm Sector Income and Finances Report shows net cash farm income is forecast at $187.9 billion in 2022, $29 billion higher than 2021. Cash receipts from ag commodity sales will increase by $105 billion from 2021, to $541.5 billion this year. However, farm sector debt will increase by $27.8 billion in 2022 to almost $502 billion. The Environmental Protection Agency's proposed renewable fuel volumes came out last week, and while modest, keep the RFS alive and opens new avenues for future expansion. The proposal with no baseline boost in conventional ethanol next year and only tiny hikes in 2024 and 2025 still has its pluses, starting with bigger increases in cellulosic and advanced biofuels. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper. It really allows sustainable aviation fuel that is made from ethanol, even corn ethanol, to qualify as an advanced biofuel if that sustainable aviation fuel meets a 50% greenhouse gas reduction. But more importantly, Cooper argues the proposal keeps the RFS alive despite the expiration this year of volume targets set back in 2007. There had been fears and some expectations and conjectures that the volumes could go the other way if EPA uh, has much more discretion to set them and no longer bound by specific volumes from Congress. Cooper credits the administration's emphasis on reducing carbon pollution and more. The energy security benefits, the consumer price benefits uh, have also been top of mind. And then finally, I think this administration has also done a good job of recognizing the importance of the RFS to the farm economy and the fact that this program has created and maintained you know, new markets for farmers. But the National Corn Growers Association says on its website it will make the case to EPA for larger volume increases, while the American Soybean Association says it's deeply disappointed in the volumes proposed outside of biodiesel and cellulosic biofuels. Participant feedback is part of the process used by USA's Foreign Agricultural Service in developing future agricultural trade missions, including those being planned for the next year. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. The final USDA-led agricultural trade mission of this year recently concluded, with Spain and Portugal the focal point of this latest effort. And while formal announcements have yet to be made regarding 2023 USDA-led ag trade missions, Foreign Agricultural Service Associate Administrator Clay Hamilton 
gave indication which nations and regions might be under consideration. Right now, we're looking at Panama, Japan, and The Hague over the next four or five months. We'll probably have three more after that. Hamilton says FAS sets a goal of six ag trade missions per year, with the schedule during any one year a mix between well-established, developing, and potentially new markets. We feel like they're very important. There's a great return on the investment, and we'll take our cues from the companies that participate as to which countries they feel are the most important. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Most agricultural equipment manufacturers saw growth in 2022 compared to 2021, and the industry expects growth in 2023. At the same time, there are signs of slowing. Another issue is plaguing the industry too small of equipment inventories on dealer lots. This was discussed during an end-of-the-year briefing offered by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Director of Market Intelligence Benjamin Duck says the general mood is that business is still good, but it is slowing down. The main issue remains supply chains, he said, during the hour-long webcast presenting sediments gathered by a survey of AEM members. AEM is a North American organization with nearly 3,000 members representing construction and equipment manufacturing. From AEM's survey of its agriculture member manufacturers. 72% said they experienced year-over-year growth in 2022 compared to 2021. 65% expect continued growth in 2023. The headwinds blowing against growth are inflation, weakening financial markets and interest rates, ongoing supply chain issues, the war in Ukraine, and of course, COVID-19. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water-holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior Bees, Superior Pollination. Be Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, Growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Bee Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Bee Hero. Superior bees. Superior pollination. 